We're going to read from verse 4 through to 10 of 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter, sorry, First Peter chapter 2 verse 4. This is God's word. Peter wrote, As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And so the honour is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the, the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Ending our reading there at verse 10. Wait. We're going to read verses 1 to 4 of Exodus 28, and in the last verses of the chapter, verses 40 to 43, and then nine verses at the start of chapter 29. So to start with the first four verses of chapter 28 in Exodus. Entitled, The Priest's Garments. Then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him, from among the people of Israel, to serve me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful, whom I have filled with the spirit of skill, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker work, a turban and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, purple, blue and purple, and scarlet yarns. 
and fine twined linen. Verse 40. For Aaron's sons you shall make coats and sashes and caps. You shall make them for glory and beauty. And you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him. And shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them. That they may serve me as priests. You shall make for them linen undergarments to cover their naked flesh. They shall reach from the hips to the thighs. And they shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they go into the tent of meeting or when they come near the the altar to minister in the holy place. Lest they bear guilt and die. This shall be a statute forever for him and for his offspring after him. Chapter 29. Now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. Take one bull of the herd and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers smeared with oil. You shall make them of fine wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket, and bring the bull and the two rams. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments, and put on Aaron the coat, and the robe of the ephod, and the ephod, and the breastpiece, and gird him with the skilfully woven band of the ephod. And you shall set the turban on his head, and put the holy crown on the turban. You shall take the anointing oil, and pour it on his head, and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons and put coats on them. And you shall gird Aaron and his sons with sashes and bind caps in them. And the priesthood shall be theirs by a statute forever. Thus you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. Ending our reading there at verse 9. May God bless to us these readings of his word. Please keep this passage open before you as we consider it further together. (coughs) I wonder, friends, how would you answer someone who asked, Are there priests in your church? What would you say? Why not surprise them and say yes, as long as you have time to explain what you mean? Because we do have priests in our church. Many, many priests. This is clear from what Peter says in his first letter, chapter 2. Peter begins in verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone, verse 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built together as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, Peter says, all Christians are part of a holy priesthood. Every single one of us who loves Jesus as our Saviour and King 
is one of his priests. My friends, this is something that the reformers insisted upon. Martin Luther stated bluntly, All Christians are priests, and the cursed be the statement that a priest is something different from a Christian. In fact, Luther, like most of the reformers, disapproved when people called ministers priests. Because all believers, not just ministers, are able to come boldly into God's presence in worship and to present their needs. Because every believer has Jesus as their high priest in heaven. And there in heaven, Jesus represents us before our heavenly Father. And therefore the scriptures encourage all of us to draw near to God in prayer, personally, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We must come humbly, but also with confidence, trusting in God's grace and mercy to us through Jesus. And so if we love Jesus Christ, we are all priests in God's eyes. Now in the Bible, this is just one of many different terms that Jesus uses to describe his followers. It's very striking how his terms for us are so positive and so full of meaning. And through these terms, our Saviour communicates to us how precious and how important we are to him. Jesus conveys to us how privileged we are as those who belong to him through describing us in these ways. For example, as followers of Jesus, he calls us his ambassadors. That's what I was speaking about last time. I was here in Carrick a number of weeks ago. We are ambassadors of Christ. What a high honour. We are the ones he has chosen to be his representatives in this world. And we're not just his ambassadors In his word, the Lord Jesus also calls us his saints. Yes, friends, every single Christian, every single one of us who belongs to Jesus is a saint of God. Staggering, but it's true. Every saved sinner is a saint. And then as followers of Jesus, he also calls us his friends. One of my favourite terms that he, he he uses for us. And we're not just quite good friends with Christ. We are his close companions in whom he confides. And as his followers, we're even more to him than close friends. Because we are actually his brothers. We're in the same family as he is. And he is our elder brother. And his father is our heavenly father. How absolutely thrilling and how utterly humbling. Well, today we're thinking about the term I've highlighted at the start. As followers of Jesus, we are his priests. Every one of us who know him as our Saviour is a priest of God. Well, today, as I reflect on this, as we reflect on this, I want us to think about the Old Testament priests. And I want us to see how our God called and equipped them to be his priests back then. Because, friends, this will clarify for us how God calls and equips us 
to be his priests today. Let's think firstly about the choosing of priests. The choosing of priests. How did somebody become a priest in Old Testament times? Well, we need to realise immediately that not every Jew became a priest. Indeed, the vast majority of Israelites were not priests. It was only those who were chosen and called by God who became priests. Well, whom did God choose and call to be priests? Exodus 28 tells us. In verse 1, God said to Moses, Now take Aaron your brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me as priest, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithmar. My friends, God didn't choose this family. He didn't choose Aaron's family to be his priests. Because of their education, or because of their ability, or because of their achievements. There may well have been others who were smarter, or more skillful, or more personable than Aaron and his sons in Israel. But God chose this family for this very special task simply because of his grace to them. Now this reminds us, if we are Christians, why why we are God's priests today. As believers, we are God's priests purely because of God's grace to us. Out of his incredible kindness, God has chosen and called us to be his priests. There is nothing in us that merits God's choosing. It's wholly because of his amazing grace that he's chosen us for this remarkable role. Like the rest of mankind, we are sinners by nature and practice. And so all we deserve is God's condemnation. But instead of condemning us, God in his grace has chosen us. Instead of leaving us in our sin and sending us to hell, God has saved us from our sin and called us to serve him as his priests. Now when did this choosing take place? Well the Bible tells us. God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world. To be holy and blameless in his eyes. That's when he chose us. As far back as then. God had you and me in his mind. If you're a believer. He had you and me in his mind. To be his priest. What a tremendous thought. What a tremendous truth. We have no merit of our own. Indeed we're natural rebels against God. But but this incredibly kind king has chosen us for himself to be his priests, even before he formed this earth. And so, as Peter puts it in verse 9 of his letter, chapter 2, verse 9, we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Christian friends here today, praise God for his choosing and his calling. Praise the Almighty, That he has come to you and laid his hand upon you. Praise the living God that he's brought you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That you may declare his praises as one of his priests. The choosing and calling of priests. 
Let's think secondly together about the cleansing of priests. How were the priests in Old Testament times cleansed for this calling? How were Aaron and his sons made ready for their work as God's priests? Well, a number of things were done. Firstly, we're told in Exodus 29 verse 4 that they were washed thoroughly. These men, Aaron and his boys, were brought to the door of the tabernacle. Just try and picture this in your mind if you can. And as they stood at the door of the tabernacle, they were washed with water. Now this was a bathing of the whole person, like a great power shower. These men were washed from top to toe, from head to toe. And this symbolised the cleansing of their sins. As priests, they were to represent the people before the holy God of heaven. And so this involved being purified. Well, plainly, if we are to be God's priests today, we too need cleansing. Because we are stained through and through by our sin. Well, this is exactly what God has provided for us in Christ. My fellow priests, in Christ we have been thoroughly washed. And so now in Christ... We stand cleansed before the holy God of heaven from all of our filthiness and impurity. This is the only way we could ever become God's priests. Because we could never wash ourselves. We could never make ourselves clean in God's eyes, could we? No wonder the Apostle John declares in Revelation 1 verses 5 and 6. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And has made us kings and priests to his God. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. My Christian friends. No matter how sinful we may have been. No matter how sinful. No matter how many times we may have failed our God. God has washed us thoroughly. As we trust in his son as our saviour. Isn't that simply glorious? In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Ephesians 1. Well, along with being washed with water, Exodus 29 tells us the other key element in the cleansing of Aaron and his sons. Notice, that a bull and two rams were slain as sacrifices for them. And this reminds us of the biblical principle of Hebrews 9.22, that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Well, as God's priests today, we've been cleansed not by the blood of animal sacrifices, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. Hallelujah! What a wonder! To stand cleansed in Christ before the Almighty. The cleansing of priests. But let's think thirdly together about the clothing of priests. How were the priests in Old Testament times clothed? What clothes did they wear? Well, these two chapters in Exodus 28 and 29 tell us. 
God told Moses to have special garments made for Aaron and his sons. Unless these men were properly kitted out, they wouldn't be able to minister as priests in the tabernacle. Indeed, look at chapter 28, verse 43, friends. And notice here how serious it would be if Aaron and his sons didn't wear these garments as they served as God's priests. God warned them that it would cost them their very lives. Verse 43. Now this again is a reminder of how important it is that we are clothed as God's priests today. My friend, if you have turned your life over to Christ and you're trusting in him as your saviour, you are dressed in the most wonderful outfit imaginable. For you are clothed in the resplendent robe of Christ's righteousness. You're dressed in the holiness of Jesus himself. Therefore, in making you one of his priests, God doesn't just cleanse you of all of your awful impurity. God also clothes you with the wonderful purity of his own son. Is that just staggering to consider? And so as you approach the living God, trusting in the merits of Jesus and in his sacrifice, God doesn't see a single spot of your sin. It's all been washed away and covered with the sinlessness of the Son of God, your Saviour. <coughs> My friends, you don't need me to tell you that people are really into their clothes in our materialistic society. People love to dress up. Young and old, they love to look the part. Young folk like to look cool. Friends, nobody is clothed in this world like the priests of God. Because we are dressed in the resplendent robe of righteousness of Jesus. And it cost Jesus everything in order to buy it for us. It cost him everything at the cross in order to buy this robe of righteousness for us. Praise God for your clothing as one of his priests. And as Paul exhorts us in Romans 13, daily, excuse me, <coughs> daily clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and don't think about how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. In Colossians 3, Paul writes that as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, were to clothe ourselves with the compassion of Christ and with his kindness and his humility and his gentleness and his patience. And over all of these virtues were to put on his love, which binds all of these virtues together in perfect unity. Such clothing is essential for us as God's praise. And so my friend, I ask you today what might sound like a strange question to you. And yet it's a very serious question. As you sit here in our service, as you sit here in, our, in the presence of the Almighty, does the Lord see you clothed in the purity of his Son by you simply relying upon Jesus alone for your salvation? 
Or does the Lord see you clinging unto your own good deeds and efforts, hoping that they'll make you acceptable to him? Does he see you in a state of spiritual undress? Friends, in his eyes, good deeds that we depend upon are like filthy rags. If you don't clothe yourself with Christ, you'll never be acceptable to God and you'll never be one of his priests. The clothing of priests is essential. Fourthly, let's think together about the consecration of priests. How were the Old Testament priests consecrated for their work? How were Aaron and his sons set apart for this special role? Well, along with being cleansed and clothed, notice how these men were also anointed. Exodus 29, verses 7 to 9, God said to Moses, You shall take this anointing oil, pour it on his head and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons and put tunics on them, and you shall gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and put the hats on them. The priesthood shall be theirs for a perpetual statute. And so you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. Friends, this consecration and this anointing was very special because it was, prescri- it was prescribed by God himself. And the oil could only be used for holy purposes. We're told that in chapter 30 of Exodus. If you look at chapter 30, verse 30, you'll see God telling Moses to anoint Aaron and his sons with this oil and to sanctify them so that they could minister for God as his priests. As God's priests today, we are not consecrated and set apart with such oil. But this oil is a symbol. It's a symbol of the Spirit who has anointed every believer. Paul wrote to the Christians at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 1 verses 21 and 22. Now it's God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. God anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So my friends, it's not necessary for Christians to pray for the anointing of the Spirit because every believer has already been anointed by the Holy Spirit. We must pray daily for the Spirit to be filling us and to be leading us and to be directing us but not to be anointing us Because we are already anointed by God. And Christian friend being anointed. God has already set his seal of ownership upon you. He's saying to you through the spirit indwelling you. You're mine. You belong to me. God has set you apart. And he's consecrated you. As one of his priests. How honoured you are my Christian friend. What a high And holy calling you have. Praise your God for this privilege. And pray for his spirits enabling each day. The Old Testament priests. They were very blessed and privileged people. But as Christ's priests today. 
we are far more so. Because our choosing and cleansing and clothing and consecration is much fuller and richer than that of the priests of old. But of course, with privilege comes responsibility. As Jesus himself said, from everyone who's been given much, much will be demanded. And so this brings us to our fifth and final point. The charge of the priests. The charge that they were given. Aaron and his descendants were charged with the most important work in the whole world. Their responsibilities were very weighty. To start with, they had to care for God's dwelling place, as we see in Numbers chapter 3. They had to care for God's dwelling place. Three families related to Aaron were put in complete charge of the tabernacle. And each family had a specific area of ministry. One family cared for the tabernacle coverings and the hangings. Another family was in charge of the furniture and the vessels inside the tabernacle. And then another family supervised the tabernacle structure, its pillars and the other equipment. (coughs) It was all carefully organised. Because this was God's dwelling place back then. Well, what is God's dwelling place today? What is God's dwelling place on earth in our generation? There are two things to say here. One, that our God dwells in every individual Christian. For if we're believers, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But two, God also dwells in the fellowship of believers together. Because in Christ, we're being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Ephesians 2. And so as God's priest today, we must take care of ourselves. We're to look after our bodies because God the Spirit dwells in us. But we're also to be caring for the fellowship of believers of which we're a part We're to be looking out for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're to do all that we can to help and to support and to spur each other on. And we're to make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace within our congregation. As God's priests today, we must care for God's dwelling place. And we're not just to have a concern for our own fellowship here in Carrick. We're to have a concern for Christ's people worldwide. And we're to be actively involved in caring for Christians elsewhere through praying for them and through keeping in touch with them and by giving gifts to them when there is need. Christian friends, this is, this is part of our charge as God's priests today. We too must take care of God's dwelling place. But the Old Testament priests had another responsibility, another charge. They also had to keep the fire burning. They had to keep the fire burning in the tabernacle. We read about this in Leviticus chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. When Moses and Aaron 
dedicated the tabernacle, a miracle took place. Fire came down from God and consumed the sacrifices on the altar made out of bronze. Now, the fire in the tabernacle, of course, was essential. Why was the fire so important? Well, without the fire on the altar, the people couldn't offer their sacrifices to God or approach him. Well, friends, it was the responsibility of the priests each morning to remove the old ashes in the fire and to put on fresh wood and to keep the fire burning. Well, this reminds us of another of our responsibilities as Christ's priests today. Each one of us here, we're Christians. Each of us, as God's priests, has what you could call a spiritual temperature. You have a spiritual temperature this morning. And what your spiritual temperature is, is of great importance to God. God longs for you and for me to have hearts burning with love for him. But too often our hearts are lukewarm or even cold. Paul exhorted Timothy to stir up the gift of God in 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. And this literally means to put life into the fire again. My Christian friend, this is your responsibility to keep the spiritual fire in your own heart burning brightly. And so you need fresh fuel each morning. You need to be feeding the fire in your heart with God's word each day. And you need to be asking for the spirit to blow upon the fire and to bring it into a blaze so that you are truly delighting in Christ and a glow with the Saviour day by day. <coughs> I'm not sure if many of you have heard of a little place called Clockey. It's down in the Ards Peninsula. It's a place where we go on holiday every year. We go down through Newton Ards, Grey Abbey, Kirkcoven, and at last we get to Kirkiston and Clockey. We've had a little cottage there for 50 years. An old-fashioned cottage, like from a different world almost. And in that little old-fashioned cottage, we have an open fire. And onto that fire, we throw lots of bits of driftwood of all shapes and sizes and lengths. The wood sticks out all over the place. And visitors look at it with great amusement. Friends, if we neglect to stoke our fire with coal or wood in Clocky, what happens? Well, that little fire will grow dim. And sooner or later, later it will die. Well, if we neglect to stoke the spiritual fire in our own hearts, it too will get low. Keep the fire burning brightly in your own heart. It's one of your most crucial responsibilities. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Romans twelve eleven. And so as God's priest today, this is your charge. And this is mine. We're to care for God's dwelling place. Looking after our own bodies. And looking out for our fellow believers. And we're to keep our hearts burning. With love and zeal for our Lord. May Christ help us as his priests. To appreciate our phenomenal privilege. And to also grasp our great responsibilities. We are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation, 
a people belonging to God, that we may declare his praises. May it be so. O Lord God of heaven, our great God and Father, we praise you for the tremendous privilege that you've granted to us as those who know and love your Son to be our Saviour, that you've brought us into your house and into your family, making us your children, your sons and daughters and your friends, and making us your priests to serve you in this day and generation. We praise you for your astonishing grace in choosing us, natural rebels, to be servants of the living God. And Father, we pray that you will fill us with awe and wonder and great gladness and humility as we consider our choosing and our calling in Christ. Fill us all the more with great reverence and rejoicing as we consider our choosing. Father, we thank you for that wonderful cleansing that is ours through Christ, that all of our impurity and sinfulness is completely washed away and cleansed, and that we're clothed in his perfection and purity as we rest upon him. We praise you that in Christ we can serve as his priests in this age and in this place. Father, we thank you for how you have anointed us and consecrated us with the Holy Spirit, that we've been born again and brought to new birth and new life, and that the Spirit of the Lord dwells within us. And we pray that he will be leading us and directing us and filling us and controlling us day by day as priests of Christ in this place, that Christ will be honoured in all that we do, in all that we say, and even in our very thoughts and motives. And Father, we pray that you will help us to recognise that in the midst of our privilege and blessing, that we have great and awesome responsibilities to be caring for our bodies, and to be caring especially for the body of believers in which you have placed us. Father, we pray that your Spirit will give us an even greater love and affection for our brothers and sisters in this place and that you'll be helping your people in this place to serve one another as priests of Christ. Father, we pray that the body life of your people in this congregation will continue to strengthen. We thank you for how so many are serving and using their gifts to build up the body and to be a blessing to others as they reach out into this community. We pray that you'll protect them from the evil one and that the light and love of Christ will be seen all the more brightly as they serve together in this community. And Father, help all of us to be filled with a greater love for Christ. Enable us, O Lord, to be filled with zeal Help us to feed upon the truths of your word. And may the Spirit of God take your word and fill us with a greater devotion for Christ as we meditate upon your truth each day. And so, Father, I commend this congregation into your care once more. And I thank you for their witness and for their work for Christ in this area. And we pray that Christ will be greatly glorified and that his kingdom will be extended and his church built as they continue to serve their King 
and their high priest in this neighborhood. Now the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all forevermore. Amen.